Welcome to the Cell Culture Dish podcast, enabling continuous bioprocessing with fit-for-purpose, small-scale process development tools. I'm Brandi Sargent, editor of the Cell Culture Dish. Today's biotech companies face several shared challenges as they move their therapeutic candidates through the clinic and onto commercial manufacturing. The priority of speed to market is often at odds with issues around development resources, facility space, and infrastructure for both development and manufacturing. Continuous bioprocessing provides solutions for many of these challenges in certain applications, but to deliver on this promise, we need fit-for-purpose tools and technologies to enable process development and provide reliable transfer to commercial manufacturing. I'm happy to have our guests with us today to discuss these important industry issues. Tom, thank you for joining us today. If you could just give us a short introduction of yourself. Well, thanks, Brandy. It's great to be here. Uh, my name is Tom Ranselhoff. I am the co-lead of the Biologicals franchise at National Resilience. We're a technology-driven company who offer manufacturing as a service. And one of the areas we'll be focusing on is, is continuous manufacturing. My background is uh, formal education as a chemical engineer. I've spent the last 35 years in the bioprocess industry, about the first half in uh, an industrial role, some type of a CMC-related position uh, focused on recombinant protein and monoclonal antibody production. And then the second half, primarily as a CMC consultant, working with a wide range of companies developing novel biologic products. Uh, I've also started up several technology-based businesses, uh, sold them to larger companies. So I'm certainly uh, very excited and uh, uh, empathetic to uh, uh, Irby's emerging business in this area. Thank you. It's great to have you joining us today. And Bert, would you be able to also provide an introduction? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Bert Froelich. I'm the owner and principal of Biofarm Designs, LLC. Before that, I was in the biopharmaceutical industry for well over 20 years. Uh, I'm a biochemical engineer by training, and most of the time in industry was spent developing uh, processes and particularly upstream processes for cell culture, recombinant protein production, and uh, even specifically, I've done quite a bit of work in perfusion technology. Uh, the largest scale I worked with was up to about 5,000 liters scale. So uh, it's a subject near and dear to my heart, and uh, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. I'd like to start by talking about the manufacturing challenges that biotech companies face as they work to bring new therapeutics to market. Could you both please elaborate on some of the issues? Biologics uh, are, are really, you know, fairly complex molecules to manufacture compared to traditional pharmaceuticals. And among the challenges for manufacturers are relatively high capital costs to build the clean room facilities and expensive uh, laboratories required for manufacturing these products. Um, additionally, companies need to have large uh, fixed uh, costs related to staffing of GMP operations um, for these uh, complex manufacturing processes. And these organizations include uh, manufacturing, quality control, quality assurance, engineering, process sciences, facilities, project management, and regulatory groups. So quite an extensive organization is required uh, to manufacture these products. And finally, the uh, fixed, uh, in addition to the fixed costs, the uh, relatively expensive raw materials and consumables required to make these products present challenges. Bert, you can also introduce why there's a trend toward continuous biomanufacturing, specifically perfusion culture, based on these challenges. Sure, yeah. Uh, because of the high costs that Tom had just described, 
which, by the way, continue to rise, uh, and also the the number of different modalities uh, and variety in biological products that are being developed. There is a, a growing trend towards uh, process intensification and also building more flexible facilities. And by intensification, uh, just like the word sounds, uh, is is doing more in less space. And so the idea is to concentrate the amount of uh, production that's taking place in a, in a certain bioreactor, for example. And uh, perfusion and continuous processing in general are forms of process intensification. And the goal there is to reduce the equipment size. And if I reduce the equipment size, I can then reduce the facility footprint. Uh, and reducing facility footprint uh, reduces the cost of construction or building the facility. And, and often these facilities are, are well in excess of $1,000 per square foot to build. And so uh, any reduction in footprint can have an appreciable uh, reduction in cost. Another benefit of uh, process intensification and reducing the equipment size and facility footprint is that it allows for a more modular construction of the facility in the first place. And also because of the smaller equipment, you can uh, you can have more portable setups. You know, I can move equipment around. I can accommodate different processes in the same facility, which in itself is a big savings for companies, particularly those that are making different types of products. Those are really great points. I want to follow up on what you said, Bert, about perfusion culture and continuous biomanufacturing as they have benefits which can alleviate some of the challenges facing biomanufacturing. Could you provide an overview of the benefits of perfusion culture? And I'd like to take each of the main challenges that we discussed and walk through how perfusion can address each. Sure. When I was talking about perfusion, I I mentioned it is a form of of process intensification. In fact, continuous uh, processing is, is a form of intensification. In the case of perfusion, what is required is a cell retention device, which then keeps more cells in the bioreactor, and uh, I can then therefore produce more product. Uh, if, if I concentrate the cells, I can get more product per unit time. And the other feature is that uh, I'm continuously removing spent medium from the bioreactor, and that contains the protein or product of interest, which then removes it uh, from the reactor uh, very quickly. So that is why perfusion technology was actually originally developed for, for unstable proteins, because I could move the product more quickly from the bioreactor. But obviously, perfusion is finding other applications as people begin to understand you know, the benefits uh, of it. I could say it the other way around, too, and that is you know, with higher volumetric productivity, I can make uh, more product with a smaller bioreactor. And the interesting thing about that is that we have an intersection between the intensification trend and the advent of single-use equipment technologies, uh, which means that I can now make a lot of product with a 2,000-liter reactor, which is about the upper limit of a single-use reactor. And I therefore reap the benefits both of intensification and of a highly flexible facility uh, that uh, I can make many different products in. An additional drive towards processification is that Perfusion technology offers an additional level of control over the culture itself. Uh, Once a steady state is reached in the bioreactor, one has a very stable set of conditions under which the protein is being produced. And uh, that leads to greater homogeneity of product quality throughout the entire run. 
And that is uh, an aspect that the FDA has been advocating for a long time. And that is uh, they like continuous processes for that reason is that they get a more consistent product quality uh, throughout uh, than as opposed to something like FedBatch, where you have the cells dying towards the end of the the culture, and therefore some of the product actually is, uh, gets uh, degraded uh, before it's harvested. Bert covered the main advantages of continuous culture operations very well. And in fact, these operations can be extended to the entire flow path, including downstream processing and even eventually fill finish. As the industry starts to seriously assess continuous manufacturing as a way of producing these products. Uh, the improved capital utilization and the manufacturing flexibility and portability that, that Bert already mentioned are both drivers, um, but also potential benefits from improved control of product quality attributes uh, are important aspects of this, again, as Bert had mentioned, uh, and, and are driving some of the regulatory interests in continuous manufacturing as an alternative to conventional batch operations. And finally, another benefit that we see emerging once the industry has more experience with continuous manufacturing and is really able to operate with a production line mindset is improved speed, not only uh, of development, but speed to market as well. I wanted to switch away from manufacturing for a bit to talk about process development. We've talked a lot about the benefits of perfusion culture to manufacturing, but I wanted to be able to get your thoughts on the advantages that perfusion brings to process development. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we've talked a lot about the, the potential benefits of continuous and perfusion technology on the manufacturing scale, but there also are benefits on the development scale. As any of us know who have set up uh, process development labs can attest to the the cost of conventional benchtop bioreactors, uh, particularly uh, you know sophisticated multiplex bioreactors that we all want to use for development work right now are, are quite significant and uh, and they do take up quite a bit of bench space. And, and maybe less appreciated is that they also require a fair amount of labor to support and as we started to evaluate uh, microbioreactor technologies uh, such as the Erby, um, we began to appreciate the the labor savings uh, of these devices. As you know, we realized that uh, they're they're really quite simple to operate, and uh, in fact, require quite a bit less uh, labor uh, simply due to the the smaller scale of operation and the uh, automation that's built into the device. But I think one of the perceived challenges of perfusion uh, process development is the fact that you have to provide a sterile media to you know every bioreactor unit continuously, and then you have to continuously harvest off the product. Oftentimes, uh, these devices need to be separate such that I can control the conditions in each of these units separately. And uh, the benchtop bioreactors have been around for quite some time, and they 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 do that control quite well. Uh, but when it comes to feeding each one of them independently, it becomes a bit of a, a mess in terms of trying to keep track of the various different media containers, the tubing, the hoses, uh, flow control, so on and so forth. And so if there could be a device that would simplify all that, then I think that would sort of pave the way for more perfusion uh, development. I just want to touch on, before we move on, capital costs, because I know that's a, an important factor in process development. Could you address that and how, uh, how you think that that factors in? Yeah, I mean, these, the benchtop bioreactors, which really been the workhorse of the industry for the past 15, 20 years, uh, you know, per unit, uh, we're talking about 
fifty to sixty thousand dollars with all the controls uh, set up. And if you then do with perfusion, you need a cell retention device for each each bioreactor, which are expensive depending on what the type is. And then you need the associated control to go with it. And so if if that price could be brought down on a per unit basis, that would enable a process development organization to have a higher throughput. In other words, they could test more conditions at once with the same footprint for less cost and with less people. You've really made the case for a place for perfusion in both process development and manufacturing. I want to switch gears a little bit and ask about what you think the goal should be for continuous process in both process development and at manufacturing scale. Tom, would you be able to provide some insight on that? Yeah, you know, uh, over the uh, course of a program uh, for developing a biopharmaceutical product, I think the goals for process development uh, will be the the same essentially uh, for continuous and and batch processes, which is uh, to develop a, a process that is robust and reliable for uh, producing a safe and effective product. But one of the things with any new technology is there's always a reluctance to adopt the technology because of concern uh, about uh, the acceptability of the technology for regulators, uh, you know, who who may not have as much experience with. Uh, with the new technology. And so part of the challenge in developing processes for fully continuous uh, manufacturing is the need to demonstrate that we're able to manufacture products with the same or similar product quality attributes with uh, with this type of manufacturing approach uh, as we can with the uh, conventional fed batch uh, processes. So an additional goal for continuous uh, process development, in my mind, would be to really draw that link between existing conventional fed batch processes and uh, newer emerging continuous manufacturing processes to demonstrate that we really can manage the product quality attributes as we make that transition uh, to more modern manufacturing technique. Right. And, and related to that is, uh, is a need for scale-down models, right? So when one does process development in a laboratory, you, know, you can't run a 20,000-liter reactor. You need to do this at a much smaller scale so that you can study the various different uh, conditions. And so uh, for both fed batch and perfusion, uh, what is needed are reliable tools that enable you to reproduce the conditions in a small bioreactor that uh, the cells would experience in a large-scale reactor so that you can then extrapolate those results to, to a larger scale. Fed batch being a technology that's been around for a while, uh, you know, I think, the scale down uh, has been achieved in many respects, uh, whether they use benchtop reactors or some of the multiplex reactors that, that Tom had mentioned. Uh, the, the problem with some of those is that it's, it's difficult to get a very independent control of every single unit uh, or micro or mini bioreactor, if you will. Uh, controlling temperature, pH, dissolved oxygen is, is one thing, but then Controlling the media flow to each of those units is another. And the Irby device in particular has been designed with with that capability in mind right from the get-go so that not only can it control temperature, pH, dissolved oxygen uh, at on every unit or cassette, uh, it also controls the continuous flow of media 
uh, and gases to each of those units independently of each other. And that's what's really required to, to develop processes and characterize them. And just to follow on uh, with what you're talking about, Bert, I want to talk about a problem that I hear a lot, and that is that there are limited tools for continuous bioprocessing in process development, and that a lot of process development scientists are using FedBatch tools for process development. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about why this is an issue and what is being done to address this lack of tools in process development? Perfusion technology quite frankly, has been a long time in coming, and there are some perceived uh, challenges or obstacles that that need to be overcome. A big reason for that is because a lot of biopharmaceutical industries have uh, had tremendous commercial success with uh, monoclonal antibodies. And so a lot of the infrastructure that is in place right now is aimed at uh, producing monoclonal antibodies, and because they are very stable proteins, do not require uh, perfusion technology. So the Fed batch works reasonably well. The problem with that is that uh, because of all that infrastructure in place, the temptation is to continue to use that infrastructure for newer and future products. In parallel to that is the fact that the process development organizations that support that manufacturing uh, also have developed workflows that are specific to Fed batch and have tools in place specific to Fed batch. So that is one reason that uh, it sort of perpetuated itself. But I think as uh, people begin to understand the virtues of perfusion and continuous processing in general, uh, they're going to start demanding tools that can support that kind of work. The Fed batch is perhaps a little bit simpler from the standpoint that each bioreactor does not need its own cell retention device, and we don't have to feed media to each device uh, separately. So those those two aspects are a little more challenging with perfusion, but with the right tool is, is certainly surmountable. That's kind of what we're trying to say. We've, we sort of live in a fed batch world right now. And so, you know, because of that, most of our process equipment and our scale down model equipment is designed to support fed batch mammalian cell culture operations because that's right. really where the market is. But as the market for continuous develops, which it is doing, you know, the, the suppliers are starting to respond with, you know, tools that are, are, are designed to be more fit for purpose for, for continuous. And, and that really is just, a, you know, barely starting, I would say. But at least it is, you know, a, a work in progress and, and one that I think is starting to, to gain momentum as, you know, suppliers recognize that the, the market is moving in this direction uh, we're starting to see more fit-for-purpose tools for continuous process, both manufacturing and, and development uh, with the scale-down models. Tom, if we're looking at this from a CDMO perspective, how do you implement continuous biomanufacturing when so much of the process development tools are designed for FedBatch operations? The first thing that you need to do is, is build a strong team of, uh, of, of people who really understand uh, bioprocess operations and have some experience with continuous processes. And, and I include in this actually uh, the analytical uh, development side, which is be, uh, becoming uh, so important to our industry uh, as our, our products are, are better characterized and better defined. Um, so w- we place a, a really strong emphasis on, on hiring, uh, you know, very strong, uh, capable staff and uh, uh, building a high-functioning organization. And, and then, of course, you need equipment and technology and suppliers uh, that are uh, capable of supporting continuous manufacturing uh, from 
the development stage up through scale up and into manufacturing. And as we discussed before, since the industry is really predominantly a fed batch industry today, most of our equipment and technology is really focused on on that aspect of of the business, and rightly so. But as continuous manufacturing uh, begins to develop as a, a more important segment of the industry, um, the tools for um, uh, developing and, and manufacturing processes using this approach are improving and will continue to improve uh, uh, over time. And, and the Irby Breeze is really one example of a, of a very promising development system that has been designed for one aspect of continuous manufacturing, which is perfusion cell culture process development. And uh, we, we, we hope that uh, the industry will continue to, to develop uh, and improve on uh, these types of tools for uh, supporting continuous manufacturing. I think what you said is so true about um, having this wonderful opportunity to explore continuous manufacturing, but lacking sort of all of the pieces of the puzzle at the moment. So I want to follow up on that and kind of talk about a little bit about what we need in terms of process development tools to optimize continuous bioprocessing, what kind of tools are, are available currently and where there's a need for innovation. Bert, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, to be able to support you know, high throughput cell culture development in the interest of, you know, speed to market and speed of development. What you really need are, are uh, tools, uh, bioreactors that are multiplex, for instance, where I can, I can test multiple conditions in parallel. Uh, there are units available on the market that do some of that. The problem is that it's, they don't always enable one to control every parameter individually on every microbiotic unit. For instance, I may not be able to control temperature, you know, uh, separately on each one of them. Uh, there are other devices that uh, uh, make use of robotics, in which case feeding uh, media to each of the microbiotic is not a continuous thing, but done uh, intermittently. So you don't really get a pure continuous flow or perfusion uh, simulation in every chamber. And so what's required, I think, is something that kind of combines the best of all those things that allows one to do high throughput, uh, but also control the conditions, uh, including perfusion rate in every one of the microbiota units. Bert, I agree with you. We definitely need tools that are fit for purpose for continuous biomanufacturing. Can you describe current options and what are the challenges and benefits of these options? Sure. I, I touched on it before. I mean, there are a number of devices on the market. Um, none of them were originally designed with perfusion in mind. So to control the flow of a sterile medium to every bioreactor unit is sometimes problematic or it's done on a semi-continuous uh, basis. Uh, there are various sizes uh, of reactors. I mean, they range, you know, 15 to 20 mils up to maybe a quarter liter. Uh, and then the benchtop bioreactors, which we talked about before, are, you know, somewhere between half a liter on up to three or four liters. And they are they are quite expensive. So something that, that can do that at smaller scale, uh, I think would be a valuable tool. Uh, the Irby, for instance, has only a two milliliter working volume, and that's like three orders of magnitude smaller in scale than uh, some of the other devices that are available uh, on, on the market and still allows a separate control of every parameter uh, to every individual unit. 
I have to say that the uh, small amount of working volume required really uh, caught my attention when I was first learning about the breeze. You talked a little bit about uh, the breeze being fit for purpose and scale down modeling of perfusion culture. Could you provide some examples about how it's fit for purpose and what specifically uh, you can achieve by using it? As I just mentioned, the the small scale is is, is certainly an advantage. In the field of uh, recombinant protein expression, uh, you know, immediate consumption is not as much a concern. But some of the newer newer technologies, where the the cell type and or the medium itself or the requirement for growth factors uh, can add up to a lot of money if you're putting a lot of material uh, through the device. And in a continuous mode, you're running for an extended period of time, and you can actually go through quite a bit of media uh, in one experiment. So having a small device that does not consume a whole lot of media and still allows me to test various different conditions, you know, as I mentioned before, pH, dissolved oxygen concentration, dissolved carbon dioxide concentrations, and the flow rate of media, uh, and an onboard uh, cell retention device allows me to test all these variables um, in parallel if I have multiple units. I think that, you know, one of the clever things about the Irby is the design that really um, does a good job, in my mind, of mimicking the, the high gas transfer rates and the, and the mixing uh, with, with different approaches, uh, which obviously are required for operating at these very small scales. And um, part of the, you know, excitement and, you know, opportunity of working with a new technology is, is developing a better understanding of how, you know, processes in, in this system will translate as Bert said, to the larger scale systems and even to data that we get in bench scale by reactors that use more conventional sparging and mixing approaches. Exactly. I think the kind of the exciting thing about uh, this this new technology is that Irby um, has observed cell concentrations uh, well in excess of what is typically achieved in a large reactors. So it's almost the reverse uh, question, and that is, why can cells uh, be grown to higher cell concentrations in the Irby device and can be done uh, at large scale? Now, that's that's the complete opposite of what you want in a scale-down model, but it's much easier to detune a small model by reactor so that it operates more like a large scale than the other way around, right? Because I, if I can't increase the performance of a scale-down model to simulate large scale, then it doesn't do me much good. But uh, so I think it is a, f- a fascinating question and a provocative one, and that is, what is it about the Irby device, the way it transfers gases without sparging to the cells, and the way it mixes the culture so that cell concentrations in excess of 200 million per milliliter uh, have been observed? And I think that's that's an interesting question. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's great we have, Tom, you here because you're actually a, an end user of, of the breeze. And I know you've talked a lot in, in the conversation about the, the benefits of perfusion culture. And I'd like it if you could actually share with us uh, how the breeze has really helped your process. What has it enabled and what is it like to use? Yeah, no problem. When we started using the Breeze, we were a small startup with limited resources. And one of the really attractive things about the Irby unit is that it is significantly smaller and less capital intensive to set up than other uh, bench scale bioreactors. 
Uh, we also found that it was very straightforward to operate. So training times, even with relatively inexperienced uh, scientists, uh, were short, and uh, the lab you know, could be up and operational with cell culture experiments uh, very quickly. And finally, because of the small scale of operation, the, the media costs were limited, and the maintenance of the system was very straightforward. I think that's great to hear because it doesn't matter how good the technology is. If it's so complicated to use and it takes a, a tremendous amount of training and, and effort for, for setup and, and use, it, it really becomes uh, not, not very useful or helpful. So it's good to hear that um, it's, it's easy to use and it, and it works as expected. Um, I wanted to just close by saying thank you so much for participating in the interview today. It was really interesting to hear about this uh, technology and, and to talk about the importance of scale down and, and tools for continuous bioprocessing. I wanted to just let each of you have the opportunity to add anything else that you would like to for our listeners today before we say goodbye. Tom, would you like to start? Sure. You know, we've been focused on the use of the ERBI as a scale-down model for bioprocess development. And certainly that is, in my mind, uh, one of the most important uses of the uh, technology in the system. But we've also discovered that the technology can be useful for uh, a number of other applications, uh, such as media development, cell line screening. Uh, and, and I think that it's uh, important to look at, at this technology as, as potentially, uh, you know, an important uh, uh, system and technology for a wide range of applications that go far beyond bioprocess development. That's a great point. Thanks for, for mentioning that because you're right. There are a lot of other applications that could use this kind of small working volume uh, perfusion uh, reactor setup. Bert, did you have anything else to add? Yeah, I just uh, you mentioned. I just want to underscore that that aspect of it that the very small volume is a virtue from a number of perspectives. Um, what's really fascinating in the biopharmaceutical industry right now is is the, the new therapies and the new therapeutics that are being uh, developed. Right, uh, cell therapy, uh, one of them that uh, you know could be aided by continuous processing at some point and the use of perfusion culture. And right now, those cells, uh, particularly if they're biopsied from a patient, are extremely in short supply and or expensive. The immediate use to grow the cells is also very, very expensive. And so, uh, you know, a small scale reactor that gives you complete control over culture conditions, I think, is, is going to be very beneficial. And uh, also exciting some other new technologies and applications of cell culture that are now emerging uh, is an area of, of, of cell-based meats, uh, something that I've involved with uh, recently. And it's, it's almost like where the biopharma industry was about 15 years ago. And, you know, lots of different types of cell lines that need to be developed, uh, the conditions optimized, very little is understood about these cells, they're difficult to isolate, and the media and the types of growth factors are in short supply and or very expensive. So this technology is going to be, uh, I think, a huge advantage for those. Um, and many of the companies that are pursuing some of these newer technologies are small companies, right? They don't have the deep pockets that some of the larger pharmaceutical companies have. And, you know, they're trying to develop these technologies uh, with, uh, with limited funds. So being able to 
uh, by a device that doesn't take a whole lot of lab infrastructure to support, uh, is not super expensive, doesn't depend on expensive robotics to, to operate it, and quick to, to uh, get and set up uh, are also advantages that shouldn't be overlooked. That's a really good point. I mean, there's a lot of companies out there that that uh, are looking for solutions that are not capital uh, and resource intensive as to get started with. So I think that's that's another great point. Well, thank you all very much for joining me today. And I really appreciated our time and look forward to seeing how this develops in the future. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Cell Culture Dish podcast. To listen to other podcasts related to the discovery, development, and manufacture of biologics, please visit us at www.cellculturedish.com. And for downstream process topics, www.downstreamcolumn.com.